Welcome to another episode of the Traveling Hoopers podcast. I am your host, Alan Patrick Pettigrew Jr., full name this time, baby. And in front of me are my two best friends in the world, Calvin McGowan and Philip Dixon. Guys, go ahead and let the people hear your name. Hey everybody, once again, I'm, you know, Calvin McGowan. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, and I have thoughts about the Grizzlies game. Well, what's going on, man? Philip Dixon, uh, a.k.a. George Bush don't care about black people. And uh, I have thoughts about the Brooklyn Nets game. As you can tell, it is playoff time. So we're just going to go ahead and get into the games that we watch really closely. And, uh, you know, Calvin, you got a good one. So, Calvin, go ahead and tell us your thoughts on Memphis versus the Timberwolves because that might be the most interesting one just from, like, a storyline perspective, not actual basketball. I mean, hasn't everything else been chalk to this point? Like the team you expect to win one, or am I forgetting something? Boston Nick, that's uh, that's a toss up one. Um, um, that, that's a toss up one. Um, the, the Bulls barely lost. Bulls barely lost. Um, the Heat Close destroyed the Atlanta. Horseshoes and hand grenade throws. The Heat destroyed Atlanta, um, and uh, the Jazz beat the Mavericks. Down Luka Doncic and the the Sixers won. So essentially, yes, by the Boston Nets game was like a toss up at this moment. Okay, well, uh, so right, Memphis has been one of the best teams in the league all season, um, and one like it is apparently my understanding now, like looking at some stuff that the Timberwolves aren't the best matchup for, like, the Grizzlies. Like, they apparently, like, split during the regular season. Now, that said, let's get into the actual game because it was surprisingly wild for a game that, like, it felt like Minnesota controlled basically the whole way. Um, Because, okay, so a couple things. One, right, the Grizzlies, who are one of the best three... one of, if not the best rebounding team in the league, got out-rebounded by Minnesota. Um, in addition to that, right, um, Anthony Edwards. Just just, just Anthony Edwards. Um, That's all you need to say? Just Anthony Edwards? <laughs> look, okay, look. That's so, all that needs to be said, yo. Pretty we, much. You know what's up with that, man. Like, well, it's like, I'm I'm be honest. I think this is probably like my first time actually seeing him as a pro, because I did catch him at an event up here when he was in high school, and I was watching and I was watching you know this Grizzlies Minnesota game, and he was doing a lot of the same stuff he was doing in high school, um, just getting to his spots basically at will. Um, he he had an amazing game. Um, put up 36 points, right? Six assists. Just, he, he was a problem. And he, and he played solid defense, right? And of course, Carl Anthony Towns is who we know him to be. Yeah. Just a, a very good player. Um, the Grizzlies, though, as I mentioned, didn't quite play up to what they usually do, right? They didn't shoot the three ball well. Um, They didn't rebound to their normal standards, right? Like I mentioned previously, they got out-rebounded. Ja Morant didn't pass out of the drive. And let me explain to you for a moment why, why, why this frustrates me. Okay, so, right, if you look at his... At his numbers, right? He's He went 8 of 18 for 32 points. He took 20 free throws. He made 16 of them, right? Most of his points came from the line. Fair enough. Well, actually, half of his points came from the line, all right? The thing is, most of those field goals happened in the first quarter, right? Between the very beginning of the second quarter through 
I think basically like midway through like the fourth, he didn't hit a field goal. Um, and right, the Timberwolves came prepared, right? You with John Morant, you know what you're getting, right? In general, you're just gonna gamble. Well, actually, in fairness, they did like try to hedge the screen multiple times, and that that didn't really work out that well for them. But it's just like it's Ja, right? He's not the best three point shooter in the world. There are much worse ones, but like you're better off taking your chances. So, like, a lot of times he was meeting multiple dudes at the rim, right? One of those dudes being Carl Anthony Towns because, of course, it was. And he wasn't making a lot of those. But the frustration when I say the passing is, like, he didn't pass out, right? Because the defense collapsed on you naturally, right? That means somebody is open, right? And Morant is a very good passer. Like we know this, but he, well, like he, like he didn't pass out of the of the drive. I don't think at any point in the in the game, um, right? And it's not like his teammates were playing poorly, right? Dylan Brooks, seven of fourteen for twenty four points, three of four from deep. Bain, seventeen points, six of fifteen. Uh, Brandon Clark, 6 of 7 for 13 points and 12 rebounds. Side note, Adams was complete, like, might as well have not been there. Uh, now that I'm thinking about it. Question. Mm -hmm. Okay. Don't you think this could also just have something to do with the fact that this is Morant's first time really seeing NBA players care? Like, honestly, like, playoff-wise. I mean, really, a, a, a solid team actually care. Defensively, lock in on the half court. Because generally speaking, like like uh, like Jaw, whatever, in the regular season, he gets a lot of his points in transition and from non-help side defense and, you know, from being all acrobatic and things around the rim. In the playoffs, you don't get a lot of that same those same opportunities. Because these basketball players mentally lock in because they either, A, don't want to be embarrassed in the playoffs. Because you can be embarrassed in regular season. Because there's a lot of games in regular season. The playoffs, you're not trying to get embarrassed because everybody's watching your game. And two, they want to at least not get blown out and or win. So this is... This is John Morant's real first time going into the playoffs with something like this with a decent team, I think. That has something to do with it also with it being game one. I kind of disagree. Like, it's not like he hasn't seen this type of stuff at all before. Like, in the the Celtics game that the Grizzlies played, uh, I think back in, like, January, I don't remember exactly, Mm-hmm. Um, that I sat and watched. They, like, it's kind of similar stuff. little different, because he tried to take, like, nine threes in the first quarter. Um, it, yeah. Um, but I think it's just that, like, so I think some of it is just, like, I, I think on some level I assume it's, him feeling like a pressure to perform, right? Which forcing stuff a little bit more than he needs to. Um, and of course, right, it's the playoffs, you game plan, right? And if we're talking the Grizzlies, the one person you always game plan for is who? Yeah. Ja, right. Um, and, right, the game planned for him. And... Like, I don't know how much of it was coaching or just Ja himself. Be, like, there wasn't a whole lot of adapting, at least not in terms of, like, Ja dishing or anything. Um, Real quick, though, but also, mm-hmm. I do think it's less of Ja mm-hmm. and more of Minnesota. Because yeah. like him, dislike him, Carl Anthony Towns is soft. <laughs> 
whatever. Like him, dislike him. I personally tend to like him. But there's a reality, he got too much suburb in him. You know what I mean? Uh, but Anthony Edwards is the opposite of that. Like, he's built for these moments, but also he got a lot more dog in him than Carl Anthony Towns does. But they affect each other in a non-toxic way, unlike Jimmy Butler. You know what I mean? So, like, they flow off each other a lot better personality-wise. Um, but they – which is going to um, show – which is going to be showcased and a light's going to be shined on that in the relationship on the floor. But also, I just look this up, D'Angelo Russell averages 18.1 points a game this season. Mm-hmm. We forget about him. Mm-hmm. We forget about him. He only had 10 points this last game. and was like, what was it, two for uh, – Two for – I'm looking at it, two for 11. And he, two but he did, for 11. he did have nine assists. Two for 11, nine assists. He's going to play better. D'Angelo mm-hmm. Russell plays better not in the spotlight. We've realized this. He's just a kind of player. Minnesota is good for him. But I think people generally this whole entire year sleep on Minnesota because they're Minnesota. And in the playoffs, and once again, Carl Anthony Towns being your number one, no. A number two behind Anthony Edwards, who once again is built for this moment, and it's his first time, it's really hard for the Memphis, it's gonna be really hard for Memphis to game plan against them. Because once again, their best three players play the game completely different. Cranny Towns, Anthony Edwards, D'Angelo Russell don't play basketball at all the exact same way, but they're all pretty good at exactly what they do. Are they championship level? No. But are they gonna be very hard to game plan for each and every game? Absolutely. Because you've got three people that can go off at any moment. For the game plan against Memphis, it's to stop Morant. Period. That's all it is. He, sure, he can get. Uh, you, sure, he can get ten, twelve assists. If, you, if he gets ten, twelve assists, you stopped uh, Morant. That's it. So I just think it's way more difficult to game plan for one the opposite side. I still have Memphis so, winning, mm-hmm. but I do think that this is going to go you know, the length of the series. So like. It's like here's here's the thing though, right? The one of the things, in addition to you know, like you said, Russell didn't score like that. Um, Towns played a really good game. Was that like uh, Jaden McDaniel's had 15 and seven off the bench for Minnesota, right? Beasley put up 23, and like especially when. The, when, like, the other team's best players are playing, like, Edwards and Towns played, uh, you, like, you can't let bench players put up numbers like that? Um, yeah, that's true. Right? And, like, a lot of what kept Memphis in was steals, basically, right? Steals forcing turnovers. Um... And, like, capitalizing off those turnovers. Um, But, right, one of the things they're going to have to figure out how to do is how to slow towns down, right? I, and also, right, to, like, if, as far as figure out a way to, like, get Ja going from the floor, because, like, 20 free throws isn't, 20, 20 free throw attempts is not sustainable, Right, especially in the playoffs. But figure out how to get Jago and more than more than just that. Right, Brooks can score. Bain is one of the best three point shooters in the league. Like taking advantage of the depth of the fact that like you have these players to like create a, some kind of counter and also. You, you got to chase Minnesota off the three-point line, right? They take, like, the, I think they took, the, like, their average amount in a game, right, in, in, in that game one. 
and they took 41 threes. Granted, like, and they hit 16, right? They pretty much won it from the from the three-point line. Um, and even if, right, they're not necessarily going to shoot exactly like that every night, you got to find, you got to do something, right? Um, that said, it'll probably be a more interesting series than I initially thought, and I kind of thought it'd be an interesting series to begin with. Um, but, like, the Grizz kind of do need, like, they, they need this game, too. Yeah. But I also don't, but I also think they'll come out harder to, to start, like, this game two as opposed to game one. As a Memphis fan, I know you're just hoping. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm a, I'm real deal mad at y'all. I'll let y'all talk for 16 minutes. And at no point did we talk about how Cat dunked all over Jaron Jackson Jr. Calvin, that's supposed to be one of the better defenders. Dog, if if that if you letting Kitty Cat dunk all over you, what are y'all supposed to do? And then he found the he found the closest man he could and pushed him. <laughs> like Jackson Jr. had seven blocks. If if you're trying to get blocks, well, you're gonna get a, you're gonna he get put on a poster eight. at some point. Like that's true. Seven like blocks. It's just, like if you're tr- if you're actually trying to protect the room, it's gonna happen at some point. Seven blocks. You uh, did great. But no one will remember that block because you got dunked on. So good for you. I hope his ego is, like, intact. I hope he has, like, lots of self-confidence and esteem because he was getting clout yesterday. And it was kind of funny. And and that dunk is going to be on Cat's highlight reel for, like, the rest of his career. Oh, no, it definitely will be. Like, I I, I completely understand that. Yeah, but, like, highlight reel is, like, You got to forget. Hmm? But like no one will see his hot rose in Minnesota and no one will see it besides him. So no big deal. Jordan Woods will see it. Come on now. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> um This guy's ridiculous. But oh yes, also something I noticed, Jaron Jackson Jr. has like two or three different shooting motions. Like get them together. <laughs> yes. Um he has not shot well this season. He has had like some seasons where he shot significantly better than he did this season. I think the whole shooting motion thing might be part of why. Um, right, and like he did try to shoot threes uh, in the game. Like he, he tried that slow ass wind up. I hate seeing him shoot. I'm gonna be real with you, Calvin. I hate seeing Jaron Jackson shoot. I, I'll give you that. It's it's yeah. not pretty. Like was if he wasn't six eleven, we would all be like, "Ooh, <laughs> you gotta you gotta put that ball on the ground." So like, no, no. Like, huh? He he was zero for five from the arc. Remember Kevin, remember Kevin Martin? No, you know how Kevin Martin's shot was kind of quick though. Like he could get it all fast. Like this is more like Charles Barkley swing. Like it's it's ugly. And it's slow. It's like it's super deliberate. Like, it's like a cattle. Like, play, like bro. It, it was like bad. he figured out. Like it was like he started shooting threes when he was like ten, and just never adapted the form, and no one bothered to teach him the proper technique. Yeah. And like NBA threes, this wasn't like a high school kid trying to throw it up. He was shooting from like deep, deep, and it's just like, oh, you, you got. Like he clearly play. doesn't need to use this motion at all. Um, I. Jaren Jackson, I kind of hope you hear this podcast. I mean, Jaren Jackson Jr., I hope you hear this podcast because your dad your dad had a strap. Maybe y'all got to work out in the offseason to fix that because it's it ain't looking good for you, big dog. But, um, like, it'll be a fun series. Um, Jenkins is supposed to be a good coach. We'll get to see how that works. Like this is like if, if you want to test a good coach, the playoff time, like the playoffs are really the time to do it. Definitely, we're talking about like X's and O's, like game adjustments and such. Um, that kind of stuff that like coaches get remembered for much more than the daily thing of like developing players and like game plans over a season. Um, but like I, I legitimately do think that the Grizzlies aren't going to just come out what tomorrow and just like just lay down. They don't. They're not that type of team. Now, Minnesota's not that type of team either. It's it's going to be fun. No, Patrick Beverly 
and Anthony Edwards aren't those type of players. The rest of the team. But the rest of the team feeds off of them. True. It's true. It's very true. Yeah. Uh, let's go ahead and move on. Boston Celtics Nets. The best playoff game that we've had so far. And if you ask me, instant classic. We had Kyrie Gall for 39. Kevin Durant out here with a measly 23. No disrespect. I love you, KD. Um, Jason Tatum, game winner. Was that uh, the most chaotic game winner that you've seen in like a long time? Like yes. the everything that happened was kind of just like what was going on here. Yes, it was very it was a very chaotic game winner. Uh, when they shot the game winner, I'm not going front. I was at the game. I didn't realize that the clock was so low. Uh, probably why I'm not in the NBA. <laughs> um, but it was uh, it was very chaotic. But. The thing that I got out of this whole entire game was this. The Nets aren't winning a championship. I can tell you that. I mean, we already told Alan this uh, before the plus even started. You know, Ooh, me and Alan on the same page with this. The Nets aren't winning a championship. But I really saw why they're not winning a championship um, this game one. Now, for the Nets... To win a championship, they have to beat the Celtics. The Celtics play team basketball. Not only do they play team offense, they play team defense. And not only do they have they play team offense, but they have two guys that can go get their own while playing team offense. But then you have <clears throat> the Brooklyn Nets, who played through two individuals. And you saw it break down at that last position they had. When Kyrie dribble, 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 up, can't score. Durant, here's the ball with three seconds left of the shot clock. Uh, when you five feet behind three point line, right? Bad shot was taken. I don't care if you Durant. That was an awful shot because you got the ball mad late. For the Nets to win, the two individual best players have to play individually well each. In every time. One person cannot have an off game. It's now this net, let's say they let's say they get past Celtics. This might work against Philadelphia, whatever. Because they also play very individual like. If they made to the championship, they're getting beat bad by whoever comes up the West. They're getting spanked by Golden State. They're getting spanked by Phoenix. They're getting spanked because those teams play very, very good team defense and have, you know, top 10, 15 individual players in the league. If you have trouble getting past the Boston Celtics, who are really, really good at what they do, you won't win a championship. It's what it is. Um, This game just showcased me that their individual basketball won't win a championship. It is what it is. Um, and, you know, it was that whole entire uh, thought process was showcased uh, this very first game. Um, I would just like to throw out there, even though like, I did not witness this game, um, that their only two point guards are both coming off the bench. I, I just want to throw that out there because I, I just want to remind everybody that Kyrie's not a point guard. Yeah, you don't, you don't need these other two dudes hand the hand in the ball come up court. And it's, listen, this whole game just solidified in my fat, in my, my eyes, excuse me. I like Jason. I, I hate Durant. <clears throat> As, I, I don't hate him, but I just like him. That's like a whatever. I just like Kyrie. I really appreciate Jason, Jason Tatum, though. And I really appreciate I really appreciate J- uh, Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart. Just saying, uh, but yeah, this game was crazy. Yeah, um, I think you guys are correcting your um, assumptions that the Nets probably won't win a championship. For them to win a championship, um, 
with the tools that they have right now for them to win the championship, they would have to have like a top three, top five coach. Somebody that is going to recognize that when we're talking about a last possession, Kyrie does not need to start off with the ball. He is the greatest safety valve I've seen in in basketball. Like since 2008, I cannot think of a number two option that if you give them the ball with five seconds, they're going to make something happen. Like he is the king of making difficult shots. He can create his own space. But if you give him the ball at the top of the key, no, and everybody knows what he is about to do. All they're going to do is just like help. And Kyrie's like 6'2 at the end of the day. There's only so much he can do if he doesn't just automatically get past his defender. Like, he needs to be the one that's off ball. And Kevin Durant does not need to be looked at as like a second option. Like, I think that play. But goes Grant, in- I think that was just because of this game. I was just, I was just with this game because Durant wasn't playing as well as Kyrie. So I think that's the kind of thing you adjust game to game. Granted, I wouldn't because. Other reasons you just mentioned, but also if when Kyrie got stuck, they double teamed him. Kyrie got stuck and you know shoot the ball. Um, he's still six three, so it's easier. It's much more difficult for him to take a hard shot or a bad shot. Durant's gonna just look over body and just do a turnaround jumper. You know what I mean? So like end of the game, if you need to get a shot off, you should give it to Durant. But I think your strategy was just to put it in Kyrie's hand because Kyrie was going off the second half. I get that you feed the hot hand, but Kim Durant was getting double teamed or they were sending like a hard help defender the entire game every time he touched the ball. Let that man draw the double. Let that man draw the double and then you got a field full of shooters. Okay, but also, not, not only was that possession, offensive possession by the Nets bad at the very end of the game, right? But I didn't notice Durant's defense uh, on that last possession until, like, replays on Twitter and whatever, Instagram stuff, right? But in the moment, I 100% noticed Kyrie's defense because he was just standing and looking, and he paid so much attention to the ball and Marcus Smart that he forgot about just Tatum cutting through. So, he was fully focused on the ball and lost track of his man. That is basketball defense 101. And he just fumbled the bag on that. And once we're like, people are like, look at Durant's bad defense. Kevin Durant is far from the rim. He's near the three-point line. Kyrie's down there. And who cares if the Marcus Smart pass was to the corner or if it was purposely to Jason Tatum. Kyrie played atrocious defense right there. That's it. If you deflect the ball a little bit, that .3 seconds, Jason Tam does not get that shot shot off. You gotta do something. But you just stand there. This is this is <laughs> stand there, hands to your side. Like, come on now. This is this is this is basketball defense, literally one on one. Hold on, wait. Off. I have a question. What's up? And this is and this is me again, not having seen it, and I kind of feel ignorant. If all right, it's the last possessions game. The other team has the ball. The, the Nets are up. Why is Kyrie in? Who else is defending? You you just I said don't think the team has uh, it. out. Just never mind. I'll let I can go. Sorry. Yeah, my bad to interrupt. Woo. I'm just like you're gonna tell me that like Patty Mills or Drogic couldn't do a better job defensively. Have you seen them two play defense? Not recently, no. Gordon Rogers cooked, my boy. Oh, he deep, recently? He been cooked his whole career. Listen, <laughs> no, I'm talking uh, about like effectively. Like that's that's not the dragon anymore. That is they are, they are, that is the salamander. Like they he, are um there are no good options. Right? At least Kyrie sat out half the season. You know what I mean? At least he's a little fresh. Everybody else, they didn't got no better options. Kyrie, Drogic, or and he was in the game, I think. Or Patty Mills? Patty Mills? He's this big. He's smaller than Kyrie, bro. Like, he's... Like, it's not even the fact of... It's not even the fact of... Okay, oh, second question. I played defense and it was bad. 
It is you were caught ball watching and a layup was scored on you. So that's just bad defensive technique, not bad defense itself. You know what I'm saying? So it's it was it was dumb. Like I was hyped. I was like, that's a great play. Nice pass, Marcus Smart, you know, the whole thing. But, you know, objectively, that was just really bad defense. And I'm just like, you're in the NBA. Thank God you can score the way you can. Look, I still got the Nets beating the Celtics. Just for the simple fact that the Celtics played a really good game on both ends of the floor. And they still needed a buzzer beater to win. And if you watch that play, as chaotic as it was, even the shot wasn't even that smooth. Like, Jason Tatum is, like, almost falling down out of a spin move and got the ball up there. Like, if anybody else takes that shot outside of, like, Jalen Brown, that does not go in. And even if it's Jalen Brown, I'm I'm not sure if he executes it that way. Like, it is, it is .3 seconds. It is one shot away from... The Nets going 1-0 and basically taking away home court advantage. And this is with Kevin Durant having a bad game. I don't know about y'all. I haven't seen a lot of bad games from Kevin Durant. Granted, that the is, way uh, they play defense on Durant, they cause him to have a bad game. Let's yeah. not, let's, the Celtics defense is stupid good. Like, it really is, right? Their team defense is ridiculously good. Kevin Durant, they were throwing so many bodies at him and just playing the smartest defense they possibly could. And if you watch them over the course of, for sure, the last, like, two months, this is the way they play. This isn't outside the box. We're like, oh, they're crazy. They played a crazy good game, a game they usually don't play. This is exactly how they play. So either you're going to beat them or, you're, or starting right now, you're either going to beat them or you're going to beat yourself. They're, they're going to be consistent the entire time. They're going to stay consistent offensively and defensively because they're taking, they're not just getting good shots. They're getting the best shots they can get almost every single possession. They also just happen to have guys who are straight bucket getters. And Al Horford might have been the expert to this game along with Marcus Smart. Those two players really killed it, though, right? But on uh, the Nick, on on the Knicks, the Nets. Who are the role players that are going to step up? Honestly, who are they? I don't know. Ben Simmons. <laughs> this man to come up the shadows like he, like he's the Batman or something like that, and just and just save the series. We get, we'll, look, we'll we'll see. But once again, that man can't shoot. And there's a reason he ain't won the playoffs yet. So Fair, fairness again, if granted he's not gonna show up, like we don't need to pretend like he is. But if he did, he doesn't need to shoot. That's what like basically everybody else is on the floor to do. Hey, and if I see a brute, if I see a lineup that has Bruce Brown and Ben Simmons on the court at the same time, I kid you not. I I I'm going to start the campaign to get Steve Nash to fuck up out of here. Yeah, but like Ben Simmons can do this thing called post up and just act like a big fucking possession. He can do these things. He just wasn't doing them because he was would clog the lane with Joel Embiid. He can do these things, but are we wasting mm-hmm. energy talking about Ben Simmons coming back to the series? Like he can also put up thirty two, but he didn't do that too much, so. And that's also true. I don't know where the man mentally is. This man got lawsuits going on. This man won his money. This man sat out for a long time because of different reasons. Apparently his back was hurt. I was like, whatever. Who cares? Too much on the couch. I don't know what's going on with him. I'm not going to think of him as a factor yet until he officially is able to play. Then that changes everything. Yeah. I got, I got money on him making his debut game six. Like, their backs are going to have to be up against the wall for him to come in. That's like, it's going to be like, Hail Mary, let's, let's see what he can do. I, I don't even think he'll come in then, but like. Dog, if he came in game six, they win, they go to the championship, and somehow 
they win a championship and it's all based off of Ben Simmons, I'm going to be so sick for Joel Embiid. I'm going to be finals so MVP. He got to get finals MVP. I don't care how well anybody else does. Listen, whoever gets MVP of this season, give it to him. That would be the most, like, that's like the Paul Pierce wheelchair coming back moment, but, like, steroided up to the 100th degree. That is the, that that, that would be one of the craziest storylines in sports history. It really would. But it won't happen because it's Ben Simmons, and I like Ben Simmons, but sometimes the dude's just soft. Side note. Uh, because you mentioned how like seeing Durant play bad games, the only time I can really think of was uh, a series he played back when he was in OKC against the Grizzlies, and Tony Allen was on him. Like, I mean, he put up numbers, but he took a crap ton of shots to get them, and yeah, like that was all. And then we couldn't, and then we couldn't close. I was was Jorga the coach then? I'm pretty sure he was. I blame him. I mean, but yeah. also Durant didn't play well when they lost to the Warriors. In the Western Conference Finals, the year before he left, the year when they had when they were playing the Warriors, oh, the year before Durant left, uh, the last year of the OKC, they did not. He, he did not play well at the end of games. Like, but we have not seen that for years. Yeah, that right? was, look, and the crazy thing about it, that was almost a decade ago. That's yeah. kind of unbuckling, but we <laughs> haven't seen that for years. But. I think you have to you have to give credit where credit's due to the Boston Celtics. Oh, you, yeah, yeah. But to. like on ESPN, they're not. On like, Plus One, they're not. But they, and they won't be. But it, that's not what they do. It's not bring the numbers up, right? But like the Boston Celtics right. really played good basketball. Like it looked like it was like Spurs esque. It was crazy. Right. Like, the thing about Durant, if nothing else, is he makes the defense do their jobs. He's not going to do it for them. So, like, he's more than happy to, like, get his little 30 or whatever and go on about his business. You have to make him – you have to put – you have to make him uncomfortable enough to, like, he's missed – you have to make him miss the shots, basically, which either means you have one of the best defenders you could possibly have or a great game plan or ideally both. Philip, who's the primary defender on Durant? Like, because they they, they they did such a good job of switching out. I, really I mean, I don't think there was one, to the truth. I don't think there was one. I think it was just like a... Uh, we going to defend the by committee? Help defense. It's help defense the entire game. Right? It was help defense the entire game. I don't think there was an actual primary defender on Durant. From what I can remember, at least. Uh, every time I remember it, it was like someone who was close to him was guarding him. And then there was somebody else help. There was somebody else helping in the entire game, the entire game. So good job on the team. Uh, Marcus Smart was out there doing the thing too, though. Marcus Smart, like this, Marcus Smart reminds me of like why he was my. He's one of my favorite college basketball players of all time. Uh, he plays basketball very smart, right? But Every so often in his NBA career, you've seen him have like mental mis- do like mental mistakes on the offensive end that are detrimental to the team, taking shots that's been taken, so on and so forth. You're usually threes. In this game, he did everything perfect, and it was just apropos that he happened to make that last pass. Like it just kind of fit in line with what the game was adding, but then like with what the game was having in his line of. It work, you know what I mean? It was, it was pretty uh, ridiculous, to the truth. Yeah. Now we we go. <clears throat> I think that's going to be the best series. I think everybody else's series is going to be. I, I, what the Grizzlies is the only one I think is going to be able to match in the back and forth. I can agree with that. Yeah, everything else yeah. is more straightforward, at least right now. Yeah. Well, let's talk about a series that, as much as we think is straightforward, it is. It does not look like it's going to be, bro. Uh, and that is Milwaukee in the Bulls. Uh, you know, after watching the Bucks game, I came away thinking, you know, Giannis is a monster. I already had those thoughts. Uh, this man had twenty and ten a half. Actually, he had like twenty four and twelve at halftime and finished the game with. 27 points in 
16 rebounds. Uh, but no, I was talking to my little brother about uh, shout out to Percy Parko. Go go listen to his music. Uh, I was talking to my little. <laughs> I was listening to my talking to my little brother after the game, and we both had like the same thing. There's nothing you can do with Giannis physically. Like there is no amount of bodies. There is no amount of defensive pressure. Like the Bulls double teaming him in the post was laughable. Like there was one point where he like threw up a floater, he missed it, and then he caught a put back over three dudes. And like Giannis drew so much attention in that game that I can't tell you what anybody else did. Brooke Lopez had 18. Drew Holiday had 15. Chris Middleton had 11. Bobby Portis had 10. I can't tell you how they got their buckets. I can't. Like, I couldn't keep my eyes off Giannis for the most part. But you can really tell when Giannis isn't in, like, full God mode. They got to be worried about the Bulls. Like, there was a point where it looked like the Bucks were going to run away with the game. And, like, two minutes later, they just ate up, like, a 12-point lead. And the entire second half, it was extremely close. They were going back and forth. And that's kind of the thing when they, like, figured out how to slow Giannis down, which, again, I can't tell you how they how they did it. He still looked like a physical monster out there. And everybody just had, like, solid games. Nikola Jokic pretty much matched Giannis's production, even though he did not look good in that first half. Like, Giannis was baby in that man. Like, there was, like, a spin move Giannis had out, out of the post, and he dunked all over Vucevic. And Vucevic just put his head down and go the other way. It was, you, there's nothing you can do. Uh they threw a lot of guys to defend him. Uh, Phillips' boy Alex Caruso was as good as he could possibly be. Yeah, not my boy. I need you to tell that right now. Uh, look, well, all season, when we've been talking about the Bulls and how good they are def- defensively, you have mentioned Caruso. I have, but that's your boy. That's just me saying facts, not me over here talking about my boy. That's me spin facts. He's one of the best offenders. But don't, don't, don't pour words in my mouth. Keep going. Philip, it's okay if you like the white man. It's okay. I know your thing on this podcast is not liking the white man, but you can like the white man. Yeah. Larry Bird. <laughs> that man's the closest thing we'd have had to Larry Bird <laughs> since wow. Gordon Hayward. Wow. Gordon Hayward, uh, born. You said what? Gordon Hayward's born. Death. But he was the best thing we had since Larry Bird for the white people. But that's besides the point. Uh, Kobe White came in, had a really solid game. You know, big 6'5", quick dude, and that's exactly what he did. That's how he scored. But no, this is going to be one of... As good as this series is going to be, between these two teams, it is going to also be the most boring. Like, there's no one on outside of their main guys, DeMar DeRozan and Giannis, there are no guys that can really, like, make big highlight plays that are going to have, like, a memorable moment. Like, I do not know who, outside of Zach Levine, who was in, like, the worst foul trouble, like, I've ever seen of a dude who doesn't exactly play high-level defense. Like, he had, like, four fouls by halftime. Like, it was it was rough for him the entire game. But, no, it, it was, like, piss-poor production from everybody. And that's just because, like, both teams play really good defense. It's it's like an ugly brand of basketball, but it is probably the most effective, like, grinded-out championship-level game. Like, 
They didn't pass 100 points, and I think this is the only playoff game that didn't. It was 86-93, and it was the most grinded out 93-86 game. Like, this this looks like old NBA basketball. Like, everybody's operating from the mid-range or in the paint. There's not a lot of three-point shooters, especially not in this game. Uh, Brooke Lopez between... Between all three teams, Brooke Lopez might be the most consistent three-point shooter. I guess you got Chris Middleton in there, but again, that's a dude that operates real heavy in the mid-range. Is I don't know, man. I mean, this this is gonna be a tight one. This 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 could go six games, like real easy. Uh, I think it's gonna be. I think it's gonna go five. I really do. I think it's gonna go five. I think this is gonna go five. I think the I think Philly's gonna, the Philly series is gonna go four. I think the Miami is gonna the Miami series is gonna go uh, four. I think the ones that we already talked about. I think those are the Memphis series and the um, Nets series are the two series that are gonna go the length. The rest of them, I think, give you blowouts. To the truth, Phoenix Warriors, all of them. Jazz, like, cool. Luka Doncic is there, but like, I think Luka Doncic. I think the Luka Doncic is gonna well, lose the first round. Too. I'm like Luka Doncic isn't yeah. there right now. Well, correct but, me if I'm wrong. Come about the second game, though, right tonight. Oh, is he? Uh, is he supposed to be playing? Uh, I, I thought he was, but I, I, I don't care. I think he's. He'll be another dude that he does not play into like game five, game six, because if if they were it, smart. You don't know what's going on with that calf. We've had too many situations over like the last couple of years where you got the calf injury, you come back, it's the Achilles. I don't know how we don't the overcompensation of like trying to put too much weight on the other leg or trying to overcompensate in some kind of way. That's yeah. not injuries. But I mean, even if he even if he was there, they're losing yeah. for round anyways. So like as an organization, you gotta be real with yourself and just understand that, you know, where you are at the time and place. But when it comes to the Bulls, um, the Bulls are going to lose in the first round. And next season, they're going to pick up a significant big man. They're going to try to at least trade for one. Watch. I mean, Nikola Vucevic, isn't that like a top 10 big? Defensive liability. I mean, you tell me. Is anybody who's going to be better than him going to be available? They're gonna try. I've been hearing really, really, really go bear trades rumors. So they're gonna try though. Who? But like, they're gonna have to give up one of those defensive assets like Caruso or something for that to actually go through. Yeah, you probably have to. In probably White. I'm asking for who's this White with all these guards and with the uh, with the. a resurgence, a resurgence with the rise of Ao, right? Yeah, you can give up Kobe right, and because you have if you have if you have a healthy Ao Caruso Lonzo in the backcourt with Zach Levine, like you're fine. You know what I mean? Like you're you're generally speaking, you're fine. Um, you can give up Kobe White, Vucevic. You, you, I would easily give up Kobe White and Vucevic for Rudy Gobert because if the Jazz don't win this year, which they won't, they're going to have to make a significant change. They made a change with Joe Ingles, right? But like he, they did that when he was injured, whatever. You, they're going to have to make a significant change. And Jordan Clarkson replacing him with somebody is not significant, significant enough. Their main issues prior to this year have been with Rudy Gobert. If I was them, I would legit get rid of him. Caruso, well, man, that's why I think Caruso has. Caruso needs to be their first trade target if they're trying to make a move with the Bulls. Yeah, but Kobe White's an all-around better player, and he's only in his second, third year. So, like, like, here would be the problem, though. Okay, because you trade Gobert, right? Hypothetically, for Vucevic, and now you have a team. That the problem with their defense is that it was entirely dependent on one dude. And 
that dude is no longer there and you replace him with somebody who's objectively a much worse defender. And you still haven't addressed the reasons why you were dependent on him as your sole source of defense. I, I think, but also I think that if you take him out, their whole way of offense and the way of playing changes drastically. Like, everything changes drastically once he leaves. Because offensively, he makes you play a certain way. Uh, defensively, he makes you play a certain way. Uh, well, here's the thing. Here's the here's the, the reason they play. Correct, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm sorry, but like the reason they play ass. the way they do, um, defensively, right? It's not like fairness, right? You do have to account for Gobert not being the fastest dude in the world, but like, they're correct. Correct me if I'm wrong. Their defense is largely predicated on funneling dudes ultimately to Gobert. All right, yeah. so like. And part of that is, like, at this point, the guards aren't great defenders. Like, your perimeter dudes aren't great defenders. So, like... Wait, question. Do we mm -hmm. know they're not great defenders? Or do we just see them in a specific scheme they've been putting out there for years? Keep in mind, I would assume that, like... And, like, I'm probably a little bit off on this, that, like, Conley would be one of your better defenders. And he's not the defender he used to be. Um, and, like, Donovan Mitchell is not a particularly good defender. Like, he gives effort. I'm not going to say he's awful. He's not Kyrie. But, like, he, but, like, you're not stopping anybody with these guys. Right? You're basically just, you're you're basically going to, on some level, redo the experiment going on with the Nets. All offense, no defense. Because no one's stopping anybody. Granted, so two things. One, <clears throat> Kobe, let's say Kobe White, for example. Mm -hmm. um, his defense is not like that bad. Uh, like it has, like it hasn't been. There's been many times this year, specifically, especially when he when he came back from being hurt after like a month or two, whatever it was, right, mm -hmm. um, early, early in the season, that it was notable, like, look at Kobe White working hard on both ends of the floor and playing defense on both ends of the floor, right? But you're going to get lost in the shuffle when you're playing next to, uh, at the time, healthy Caruso and healthy Lonzo, right? Mm -hmm. Who's right. defense are, like, their bread and butter, essentially. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't have the stats defensive stats for Donovan Mitchell specifically, but when, but I'm not sure how much we as the viewing public should judge players who play with Gobert defensively because that is a whole entire scheme. Their scheme is centered, their scheme is centered around Rudy Gobert, defensively. Offensively, they ain't do a whole nother thing. Donna Mitchell put up shots because you can't do anything offensively centered around Rudy Gobert. We know that if you watch them at all, you know that too, right? Mm -hmm. But defensively, if it's all I got to do is feed them to the lane, Rudy Gobert is going to block it or make them shoot a really hard shot, mentally you're not going to play as hard a defense as you could. Because you know that you have an anchor on the back end that it's a failsafe. You know what I mean? So I'm not sure how strongly we should judge these pair, these players defensively. Now, granted, Mitchell himself, like, stature-wise, he's not really built for defense. It's not really, like, uh, good defensively. Uh, he's not built to have, like, a good defensive presence, right? He's not that tall. He just happens to be athletic and really quick for the offensive end of the, end, end of the court. But all the other players around him, right, the role players, they focus on Rudy Gobert and just lean it towards him. But obviously, if Rudy Gobert goes, they're not going to just leave it at that, right? If he goes, he's got money. They got lots of cat space to do a lot of different things, right? So there will be other people coming along with that, other shifts, uh, personnel, so on and so forth. But at the end of the day, I'm saying, that is a rumor, not even to say rumors, that's just a hypothetical being tossed out there 
for the upcoming season because you see what the Bulls need and you know what the Nets don't need for them to win because Rudy Gobert is not what they need to win. And if you're a Jazz, not the Nets, the Jazz, and if you're with the Jazz, you are sick and tired of being in this weird limbo thing they've been in since uh, Darren Williams. You know what I mean? You're, you've been in limbo forever. So if you're going to have Don, Don, Don Mitchell at this point's career, you've got to do something pretty drastic. So I just thought it was an interesting hypothetical that I saw out there um, that you know, was put out there on ESPN and stuff. So. It, would, it is an interesting hypothetical. It's just a very, like, in function, right, you start thinking about it, it's just very strange. But also, I would make the argument that, like, if your perimeter defenders were good enough to, like, guard dude solo in a real way, as good as Gobert is, you wouldn't be trying to funnel everybody to him. Like, occasionally there would be some stops. Their best perimeter defender right now is Patrick O'Neal, and he's a 6'10 power forward. Just saying. Like, not a good look for your best perimeter defender to not play on the perimeter like that. Um, but, like, I, I, I do agree that, like, they might want to make some changes. But, like, if I might throw a hesitation outside of the fact, right, that I'm pretty sure that it's been my understanding that, like, Gobert and Mitchell don't like each other like that. Or at least folks don't like Gobert, like, as a person. Um, that, like, like it's from a just basketball standpoint. The issue, like, you would have is a, it's like the, like the GM of, like, the Jazz is that, like, you can make changes but there is a decent chance, like, as much as in Limbo, there's a decent chance that any changes you make make them worse. Um, like, the way they are currently set up. And, like, if you can eat that, that is fine. But if that's the case, you probably just want to blow the whole thing up anyway. I say the Nets go for it. Not, no, I'm gonna say no. We're, we're trading Drummond. We're trading mm, no. Gordon Drogic, Patty mm, Mills, no. and our 2031st round pick. Oh my goodness! Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> if you're not, like I don't know. Like I okay. Oh, hypothetically, trying to make this work. Yeah, please, right, don't. I would want don't Seth. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's gonna be hard to make it work anyway. Like, don't you touch Seth? Seth is here. He's with us. I would need like you're gonna have to come up off the set to make it work at all. <laughs> then no. the jazz just hang up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you tried. That's enough, yeah. That's my job. You didn't try very hard. It's Goldberg. I can't imagine Goldberg and Ben Simmons on the floor at the same time. Oh, that would not work at all. Yeah, that would make my stomach hurt. Like I'm literally I'm- queasy thinking about it. But uh, any more games? None worth talking about. Sure, let's real. Because we could talk about Miami, Atlanta. Man, Trey Young had eight points. He looked like a boy. Wait, for real? Yeah, he looked like a boy. It was embarrassing. Uh, They got demolished. It was crazy. Uh, But, you know, if you want to trash Trey Young, you're oh, a Nick fan and want to do serious? that, go ahead. But, like, I don't care to do that. Don't make a lot of you. I don't care to do that. I don't find it necessary. I don't find it entertaining, right? Uh, Trey Young is a little man who shoots a lot of threes. He got shut down, period. He was one of 12. Good God. <laughs> you know, hopefully he has a bounce back game, but if he doesn't, didn't expect anything from Atlanta this year anyway. So that being said, let's go ahead and get out of here. Guys, thank you so much for tuning into another episode of the Traveling Hoopers podcast. Uh, I have been your host, Alan Pettigrew Jr., and I am signing out. But before I do, I'm going to go ahead and let my good friends sign out for me. Uh, once again, everybody, I'm Calvin McGowan. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for sticking with us to the end. Like, share, subscribe, leave something in the comments. If you're joining us on YouTube. If you are, like, you, of course, can listen to us wherever you listen to your podcasts. 
Um, have a good rest of your week. And I don't know. We're going to watch some four-game series, I guess. There you go. And my name is Philip Dixon. Um, and um, thank you. Wow. Um, and don't forget to <laughs> go in the comments and go to our Patreon. We have a few different deals out here. You can get a lot of our content a day early by doing our $5 selection. If you are a parent trying to get some recruiting information, you can go ahead and use the $20 function. You can get in contact with me and some of my scouting friends to go ahead and get your kid evaluated and possibly even find the best track for schools for him to go to. And if you're a college coach, that $100 thing is calling your name. We are coming out very soon with our first drop of well over 100 players where we will be evaluating them, having all of our game notes and much more information that comes with that as well. I got to have Calvin help me out a little bit more with the badge system, but that will be coming out at the end of this month. Thank you for tuning in. See you guys.